Right now, we're going to open our Bibles, if you have one with you, if you brought one. If you don't, there's one in the rack in front of you there or nearby, and uh, you're welcome to use that. If you don't have a Bible of your own, uh, we'd love for you to take that and make it yours. I'd like everybody to have a Bible of their own. First Peter chapter 5 today. First Peter 5, the first of two letters that uh, the Apostle Peter wrote, and before we look at it, let's uh, pause and pray. Father, it's an amazing gift you have given, uh, this gift of your word, and it's not a gift just because it's a book and it's interesting, but because in it you have revealed yourself. Uh, you used people to write down what you wanted written down so that we could know you so we could experience the life that you have given through your son. So help us now, um, give us ears to hear, give us hearts that will receive your truth. Lord, remove from us whatever is distracting and help us key in on what you want us to know today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing our series called Heavenly Minded. One of my goals for this series has been to correct, uh, a, seems to be a common misperception, misunderstanding about what it means to be heavenly minded. Um, some people have the idea that heavenly mindedness is a rather impractical thing. What's the point, someone might say, what is the point of thinking about something that's going to happen to us way sometime in the future? How does that help us today? How does that help us deal with what's going on right now, what's, what's right in front of our faces? Well, one of the things some of us are dealing with right now is suffering, times of hardship pain. Uh, some are grieving because they've lost someone very close to them. Others are just having to continue to endure chronic, difficult pain or uh, struggling with a serious health problem. Others dealing with a conflict in a relationship that just doesn't ever seem to get better. And some are feeling the pressure of trying to stay faithful to Jesus in a situation where that just kind of feels impossible. And as far as your situation goes, you, you personally might not be suffering right now, but one of the things we know from God's word about suffering is that sooner or later it comes into all of our lives. And... When it does, what are we going to do? How are we going to go through that? What will help us in times of suffering to go through that with, with peace rather than anger, bitterness, despair? It turns out that at times like that, 
being heavenly minded is a very practical and powerful thing. And we can see the, the importance of this, the importance of being heavenly minded when we face suffering here in, in the book of First Peter. This book is a letter that Peter wrote to some Christians who were experiencing some really hard times. In fact, in chapter 1, he says in verse 6, Now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. It's a, a word of pain. Grieved by various trials. And we don't know exactly what was going on. We just know it was hard. And Peter was writing to them to help them. To help them in their suffering. And he addresses it. He brings it up actually several times in the letter. And we're going to look at what he wrote in chapter 5, beginning of verse 6, verses 6 through 11. So let's look at that now. I'm reading today from the English Standard Version. Peter writes, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. So that's part of humbling ourselves, by casting all our anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be or is the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So it's very clear here that believers in Jesus are going to have to deal with difficult things in this life. Verse 7 talks about anxieties, things that trouble you, things you tend to worry about. Life is full of uncertainty. I probably don't have to prove any, that to anybody uh, after the year we've been through. Uh, life will include things that trouble you. And besides that, verse 8 says, you have an adversary. You have a supernatural enemy who is on the prowl looking for lives that he can destroy. Verse 9 says that suffering is the common experience of those who belong to God's family all over the world. And then you get to verse 10, and it lets you know that suffering is going to continue for a little while, which means until the day God intervenes and puts an end to it. So what we learn from all of this is that those who belong to Jesus, not only are we not immune to suffering, 
we can pretty much count on it. But what we also learn here is the importance of being heavenly minded when when we suffer, when we go through those times. Verse 6 says that at the proper time, God will exalt those who humble themselves under his mighty hand. And, And the way it's written, it's saying that looking forward to that exaltation, that is a motivation for us to humble ourselves. Verse 10 says that after you've suffered a little while, God who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, so that's looking heavenward, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then verse 11 says that his dominion, his kingdom, his rule, his reign, which will come to full experience in that day, will last forever and ever. And we will enjoy eternally the future that we've been talking about through this series. Namely, a resurrected life in a resurrected body with a resurrected Christ on a resurrected earth with resurrected believers from every tribe and language and people and nation. See, I want to drill down into this a little bit. How does heavenly-mindedness, that is, thinking about these coming realities, these heavenly realities that God has promised to those who trust Him, how does that actually help us when we suffer? Well, what it does is it helps cultivate, nurture, strengthen certain qualities in our lives. Qualities that we have to have to go through suffering well. Three qualities that you need when you suffer. And those three qualities are humility, vigilance, and... (laughs) What's the third? Perspective. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. When Jesus renews my brain, that's going to be great. (laughs) Humility, vigilance, and perspective. Okay, we're going to look at those one at a time, starting with the first one. So these are heavenly-minded qualities. These are qualities that come from being heavenly-minded, or at least they get strengthened. They get firmly established. They they get increased. And we need these when we suffer. So the first, first quality you need when you suffer is humility. Humility. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. God's mighty hand. What does that mean? Well, we know Scripture teaches Jesus Himself said God is spirit. So God does not have physical hands, but that's a figure of speech that's found throughout the Bible. What does it mean? God's mighty hand is his unstoppable ability to do whatever he chooses to do. So whatever God determines to do, whatever he wants to do, 
he is fully able to do. And nothing can stop him. So, uh, we could look at several passages that use this idea, but look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. This is actually the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, after he went through a very humbling experience. This is what he said. I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. Does that sound familiar? First Peter 5. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does. Okay, so here we go. He does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Psalm 115. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. So then, to humble yourselves under God's mighty hand means to trust him to be in ultimate control instead of trusting in yourself to be in control. It means believing that God can do and always will do what is in the best interests of his people, those who trust him. See, there's a huge question you and I are faced with every day. We have to answer this every day, sometimes many times a day. And the question is, who are you going to trust to bring about the best possible future for you? Who are you going to trust? Now, many of us in this room, we know that the correct answer is God. Because he created us. He knows what's best for us, and he sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be freed from sin. We could know him, and we could enjoy him forever. So if you go back to chapter 1, verse 3, Peter said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In His great mercy, He has, listen, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus who died for us to make us right with Him. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. You see the heavenly-minded thinking there? He's, He's holding this up and He's basically saying, if you belong to Jesus... God has already begun to bring about the best possible future for you. And he's guaranteed it to you through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, then it says here in chapter 5 that at the proper time, he will exalt you if you trust him. I don't know how exalted you're feeling today. Maybe not at all. It's funny, we have that expression, down in the dumps. But this is coming. He's going to lift you up. He's going to make you happier than you've ever been. So, yeah. So we know, we, we, we know, we know that God is the one who will bring about the best possible future. 
But it doesn't always feel that way, does it? It does not always feel that way. Like when He allows something to come into your life that you would really rather not deal with. You say, uh, God, best possible future you're working on here? Um, or His Word instructs you to do something that you do not want to do. You think, no, I, I don't think this is going to make me happy in the long. Which is why it says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Because humility is remembering that God is God and you aren't. It's remembering, it's realizing that His hand is mighty and yours isn't. And verse 7, it means casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So, watch this. When we don't cast all our anxieties on Him, you know what that means? It means we're being proud. It means we apparently think we can work things out better than God can uh, if we just worry about it enough, if we just think about it hard enough, figure it all out, and then we'll make things happen and then we'll be happy. That's pride. But it's so easy to fall into when you're hurting. So easy to fall into. Because when you're suffering, it's really tempting to think, God doesn't care. God doesn't care. Or at least He doesn't care as much as I care about my happiness. If God really cared, He would do this. If God really cared, He'd take this away from me. If God really cared, He'd fix this thing now. That's arrogance. That's arrogance. It's not only arrogant, that kind of thinking is worthless. It won't bring you peace. So to humble yourself under His mighty hand is to admit that God does care more about, more than anyone, more about your ultimate happiness, and He knows how to bring it about. You and I don't. So when you suffer, you need humility. Second, quality you need you need vigilance vigilance so verse 8 be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour <laughs> this immediately takes us back to humility it's like what god your hand's mighty and you're letting the devil prowl around Humility. So, when we suffer, the problem isn't simply that we're hurting and, and we can't control our circumstances. It's worse. We have a powerful enemy that wants to exploit that situation and keep us from humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand. Well, why does he want to do that? Because he doesn't want us to be happy. He wants to ruin you. 
ruin you. And you know there's really only one way he can do that. There's only one way he can ruin you. Do you know what his strategy is? I think it's very important to know. He can do things to harass you. He can do things uh, to, you know, hurt you. Maybe, if God permits, he can even kill you. But there's only one way he can ruin you. Jesus said in John 8, 44, the devil is a liar. And he's the father of lies. That means he's behind, ultimately, every lie that's out there. So he's a liar. Okay, well, why does he lie to us? Because he wants us to distrust God. Unbelief is the only thing that can ruin you. Unbelief. That is, refusing to believe. Refusing to trust. So if you know the story of how sin entered this world, how the first man and woman fell into sin, uh, think back to how the devil tempted them to distrust God. First he says, did God really say that? Did he really say that? He said you couldn't eat any of fruit? And it's like, no, that's not what God said. He knows it. But see, he's doing something here. He's raising doubts about God's goodness. That's what he does. It's like, yeah, I think God's holding out on you. And then, then he just flat out contradicts God. Eve says, well, if we eat that fruit, we'll die. And he said, no, you won't. No, you won't. Nope, that's not true. God is holding out on you. You know why he doesn't want you to eat that fruit? Because he doesn't want you to be like him. Okay, fact check the devil here. Out of all of creation, what is unique about humanity? We are made in the image of God. We're already like God. They were already like God. Satan lied to them and they bought it. They bought it. They ignored, this is huge, they ignored what God said, and they listened to a voice that contradicted him. This world is full of voices doing that, contradicting what God said. Saying, oh, no, 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 God didn't say that, or if he did, he lied. That is not true. Don't forget who is ultimately behind those voices, whether they realize it or not. Satan wants you to doubt that God's way is best. He wants you to think God's holding out on you. He wants you to think God is not being good to you. Why? Because he wants you to defy God. He wants you to go your own way. Follow your heart. Be your own God, because that's the thing that will ruin you. And that's what he wants. And we know this is how the devil works, because of how Peter says to fight him. Verse 9, resist him, how? Firm in your faith. 
Faith is the opposite of unbelief. It's the opposite of unbelief. Faith is trusting God. Faith is trusting what God says. Faith is humbling yourself under His mighty hand. Faith is casting all your anxieties on Him, believing that He cares for you. Unbelief, on the other hand, is deciding, I know better. I know better than God. I know better than what the Bible teaches. I know better how to make me happy, and I can make it happen. And we're all vulnerable to this. We are all vulnerable to this. And that's why one of the most important things we can all do is get into our Bibles regularly. Why do pastors always say that? They always say that. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. You know why? It's because if you don't know the truth, you won't recognize it when you're being lied to. You won't see it. You won't see it when you're being lied to and you have an enemy, a very smart, persuasive enemy who will lie to you at every opportunity. You and I have all the truth we need to resist him. But we have to know it. We have to know it. The Bible's kind of like a bulletproof vest. It doesn't work unless you put it on. You got to put it on. We need vigilance. Need to be vigilant. Okay, and then third, you need perspective when you suffer. You need perspective. And heavenly mindedness helps us have perspective. So verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God's not holding out on you. He's the God of all grace. You know what that means? That's saying that it's God's very nature to be gracious. Well, what does that mean? It means it's his very nature to give generously like like a mountain springs nature is to bubble over and overflow that's God's nature toward those who trust him to graciously give you what is good instead of what you deserve and he has graciously called you to experience the greatest joy you are capable of knowing his eternal glory in Christ he's not ignoring you he's not neglecting you he's not indifferent to your suffering in fact he's going to use every every little bit of that suffering to maximize to intensify your experience of eternal joy we saw that when we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You can go back and read it today, later. But 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says that this momentary light affliction, which doesn't feel either momentary or light, but this momentary light affliction 
is working for us, is creating for us, is bringing about an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So he's going to use every bit of your suffering to maximize your experience of joy. Now, when you know that, and when you actually think about it and remember it, call it to mind, it does something really helpful. It helps you keep your pain in perspective. And we all need that. And there are two perspectives here that we can see. First, there's the perspective of knowing that your suffering is not unique. It's not unique. Verse 9 says that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, how does that help? How does that help to know that there are other Christians throughout the world who are also suffering? Well, it helps you not feel quite so sorry for yourself. Because that's sometimes the temptation. When you feel like you're the only one who's hurting, boy, it's so easy to get all self-focused, self-preoccupied, like you're the only one. God's being really good to everybody else, but he's not being good to you. God likes everybody else more than he likes you. Because you alone are suffering, but you're not. You're not. Sometimes it's just that we don't know. We're not telling each other how much it hurts. So back in uh, 4.12, Peter said this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal. That's quite a phrase, isn't it? Fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you? Oh, you mean God's got other things in mind besides just doing what I want? Yeah. As though something strange, as though something unique were happening to you. Your suffering isn't unique. It's normal. That's what he's saying. It's normal to, be, to suffer in this broken world. And it will be until Jesus returns. And that's the other perspective we need. Not only is our suffering not unique, it's not forever. It's temporary. It's temporary. So he says, um, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. <laughs> now, if you've been hurting for a long time, all right, this expression, a little while, that might bother you. You might think, oh, is he kidding? I've been hurting for decades. How in the world can he call that a little while? Well, you have to realize what he's comparing it to. A little while compared to the eternal glory of God's grace in Christ. His eternal glory in Christ. And see, when you compare anything to eternity, it's little by comparison. One day... Eternity is going to dawn like a bright summer sunrise. And all the darkness is just going to fade away completely and never return. This is not diminishing our pain. 
It's not saying, nah, that's nothing. And it's definitely not telling us to live in denial. Well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yep. No, it's not telling us that. It's not telling us to live in denial. What, what is it telling us? Live with hope. It's not saying live in denial. It's saying live with hope, with confidence that God is going to bring an end to this pain and he's going to transform it into a joy I've never known before. And he, this is, did you notice this? He's going to do it personally. Did you see that? The God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He's not going to just send some angel to do it. He's going to do it personally. His eternal glory in Christ. If we are not looking forward to this, if we're not thinking about this, we are failing to anticipate the greatest thing that will ever happen to us. The end of the story. When Jesus makes everything right and we see his face and we, we experience God's eternal glory in Christ. That Nothing else, nothing else. Yeah, we sang just a few minutes ago, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than this. And this is why nothing this side of that will ever fully satisfy us. You take the best experience you've ever had, and it's like, yeah, that was good. Okay, what's next? Nothing fully satisfies. Why? Because God made us for this. He made us for this. He called you to Himself. So we need perspective, we need vigilance, and we need humility when we suffer. And that means we need to be heavenly minded because that's what produces those things. It's not impractical. It's not, you know, a waste of time. It is so practical. I want to pray now. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If you're here today and you are suffering, you are going through something that just really hurts. Maybe it's something you've been going through for a long time, or maybe it's something fresh. Um, I know from my own experience, and I know from God's Word, that it's really easy to lose perspective. And it's easy to struggle with humbling yourself under His mighty hand, trusting Him that He does care for you, and keeping vigilant against the enemy's lies. I just want to encourage you now as we pray to call out to him. You know, one of the most amazing things about who God is, is that he knows. He knows how it hurts. Jesus bears the scars still. 
of a suffering beyond anything we could imagine. And so when we come to uh, him in our pain, he's near to us and he gives comfort. And if you're here today and you're not suffering, uh, the point of this is not to uh, live in dread of when it's going to come, but to be ready and to look around and notice those who are hurting and to draw alongside of them and not dump a bunch of information on them, but to give them your time, your attention, and a listening ear. And as the opportunity is right, to share some encouragement. So Father, we we come before you now. You are the God of all grace. And you are at work in the lives of your people. You are at work in all of our situations. You are at work bringing about an eternal weight of glory that outweighs all of our suffering. Lord, sometimes we just can't we just can't see it. We don't see how this is going to work. It doesn't make sense to us. Lord, help us in those times have the humility we need to humble ourselves under your mighty hand and know that you care for us and you will exalt us in due time. And Lord, if there's anybody here who has yet to say yes to your gift of life in your Son, I pray that today you might draw them nearer. You might answer their questions. You might help them trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.